what I, what, I, what I feel felt like speaking about this morning, uh, this morning and, uh, and this evening, it's a bit different, is something that, that I realized as I was growing up as a follower, as, not as a follower of Jesus, but a religious Christian. Uh, that's a strange thing to say. A cultural Christian. Somebody that drew, grew up in the Dutch Reformed Church. Uh, I looked apart. I remember growing up being looked very Christian, knew how to speak the cultural language, uh, was baptized as a child, well, sorry, wasn't baptized as a child, was sprinkled as a child, was sprinkled as a child, and, um, and then obviously did catechisms and all those kind of things, and then I even taught Sunday school. Can you imagine somebody not born again teaching Sunday school? So I taught Sunday school, I was confirmed as a non-believer, um, confessing Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, so that I can get my, what do we call it in Afrikaans? My vainlicensie. So that my vainlicensie can cry. And, uh, and it actually led to absolutely nothing. And then, at one stage in my life, I remember 1992, I was in university. I, I, had a, I have a military background. I was in the Air Force for 10 years. And so I studied at the military academy uh, in Saldana. And in my first year, 1992, I finally met Jesus. And like Zacchaeus in this morning, this, this evening, this evening as we were praying there, somebody spoke about Zacchaeus. And like a Zacchaeus, I figuratively climbed into a tree because I wanted to know Jesus. I wanted to know what this Jesus is all about. I wanted to see him. And, and, and I feel as I, as, I, as, 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 as I was reminded of that again this evening that, that I trust that for many of you will be a Zacchaeus moment because you can be like a Zacchaeus, just go about your business, and you, and you can just walk among the crowd, and Zacchaeus was probably short, um, and you're walking around the crowd and just disappear and do all the religious stuff and, you know, put up the religious faces and sitting maybe here tonight and, and know how to look Christian, know how to frown at the right time, and when you pray, it's like, I mean, anyone, we can all do that. But I, my prayer is tonight that, that God will pierce your heart, that Zacchaeus, that you will climb up in this tree and you let God speak to you. Look past my shortcomings. My, my, um, um, I've got a radio face, um, so it's not made for video. It's not made for live. I'll be very good on the radio. And, and look past my face. Look past my use of language. Look past that which you already don't like about me um, or whatever. But I want you to meet Jesus uh, tonight. And so... I want to talk about the gospel. Ek wil praat oor die evangelie. Nou, as jy hoor iemand wil oor die evangelie praat, wat gaan jy dier jou kop? Ek weet klaar wat dier jou kop gaan. It's like, this is going to be a basic message, I don't need it. It's like, I've, I've, I've done this, I've ticked the box, I've, I've met Jesus, uh, ek het evangelie die goeie nies gehoor, en die goeie nies is, Jesus het op een kruis gesterf, so ek hoefie, en nou gaat ek set sail. Ek moet, net, ek moet net so nou en dan my, my een versiekie wat ek in my e-mailbox krijg elke dag vinnig so vinnig afsê en dan die Onse Vader vinnig sê en dan is ek op pad jimmel toe. But I want to tell you, Jesus didn't come to earth. He didn't come and walk amongst us to stop there. That, there is so much to Jesus. There is so much to the gospel. There is so much to the, daar soveel meer to evangelie as net dit. En ek het een baie groot deel van my leven, my christenskap selfs, geleef, asof die evangelie, al wat die evangelie doen, dit, dit red my. En nadat my gered het, moet ek al die religious goedkies gaan, is like, 
Onze vader in die wil, wat zien we dan? Dan ons ons van geleer om op vannacht te sê, en binnen drie minuten, en dan ons poel ons af, en dan vat ons ons dagelijkse broekie, wat doen we sy ding? Dagelijkse dingiekie, hy, like klein dingiekie, wat jy hier langs op, optel, wat doen we ons ook? Wat so goed? Koringaarkies, dankie, ek het lang klas hy naam gehoor, daar sê die koringaarkie, tel op om by enie my in die mou, en God is so desperaat, ek gaan met jou praat die reiding, want hy weet, ek gaan geen ander kan sê nie, want dit is die enigste bybel wat jy gaan lees, die hele klein versie, en ons gaan net aan, and for most of my life, that was the, that was the gospel, that was the evangelie, and I want to tell you, my life dramatically was transformed, the moment I realized that when Jesus came, and lived the life, that I could never live, died the death I should have died, everything changed for me, when I realized that the gospel, the evangelie, doesn't just save me, but it also changes me, he said it this, uh, this evening, uh, it also transforms me, but it also helps me to grow into, into the image of Christ, and you might hear it, I don't want you to hear it here, I want you to hear it here, because I, you know why, why I want to speak about it, and it sounds like a very basic message, can I tell you something, this is anything but, it's basic, but it's not basic, because the depth of the gospel is so deep, that you can study it and study it and study it and never get to the bottom of it. But at the same time, it's so simple that in a moment you can get it. And you know why I know some of us do not actually believe that the gospel also changes us, but it just saves us? It's because what we do is as soon as the gospel saves us, or as soon as we so-called say that little magic prayer, what we go on doing is that we try hard. It's like, you know what, how's it going as a Christian? How's it going? No, very well, thank you, I'm trying. It's like when you tell me you're trying, I know you don't understand the gospel. When I ask you, so how's things going since you got born again? It's like, no man, you know, it's all good, probeer, ons gaan maar voort. I mean, what people don't normally know, it's a trick question when I ask them, because that's why, it's like, no, 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 you don't, you don't understand it. And see, so we hear this thing of the, the, the complete work of Jesus on the cross. We hear this thing of done, therefore, from that place of God, has done this for me, I need to work out my salvation in fear and trembling. We hear that, but it's here, but it never gets here. Do you know why I know it? Because actually, we buy self-help books. We believe that the gospel is so anemic, that that what Jesus has done on the cross is so anemic, that it cannot actually, in all reality, help you to live every aspect of your life daily, and it cannot help you with every incredibly complex challenge that you face. And I want to tell you, the more I'm studying the gospel and the more I'm looking at the various facets of the gospel, the more I realize it's the gospel. And I know you've heard this before, the gospel plus nothing. Jesus plus nothing. Oh, it's a nice slogan. But I, we need to move past that. Because as I started this journey, I started realizing when I struggle with unforgiveness, how do I unpack that? How, do, how does the gospel apply to forgiveness? It's like, okay, man, let's start there. How does the gospel apply to forgiveness? Oh, Jesus forgave me, I need to forgive him. Yes, but let's unpack it a bit more. Because one thing I do know about you, no matter where you are and you walk with God, is this I know, you're made in the image of God. Therefore, by default, you know that when you experience pain, you need to forgive, so somebody has sinned against you, you're a sufferer. When you go through pain, I know that you know that somebody has to absorb that pain. That's true. That is true. Because if you do not forgive, what you do is you absorb it. 
You absorb it. It's called it. You carry, you absorb that sin against you. And you know what happens? You start feeling ashamed. You start feeling the shame. You start feeling a, a, a regret and etc. etc. Many other emotions. Or what else? What is the other alternative? The other alternative is you feel like somebody else need to absorb the pain, so you blame. Let's take, it, let's take it in a normal conflict situation. Somebody says something ugly to you. What do you do? You blame them, which means you want them to absorb the pain. Or you accept it in shame. And see so how the gospel works is when I see Jesus is saying, Jesus is saying, I already on the cross took the shame upon myself. So in that moment when I, when I cannot forgive, in that moment when I cannot, cannot act in a gospel-centered way, in a Jesus-centered way towards somebody that sinned against me, is the moment where I don't say, it's you. I don't say, oh, I live in shame. I say, Jesus, you paid the price. You say, well, is it that simple? Yes, it is that simple. And sometimes some part of that process, oh, Lord, forgive me for acting like that way. Because what you do in that moment, let's break it down even further. What do you do when you're blaming you, uh, the shame? What you do is you're trying to be Jesus. That's simple. That's as simple as it gets. You try to be a savior. Because one thing you and I do know, by default, you have no choice. All of us have this, had this creation experience where you discovered your identity. Then there's something that's gone wrong. Then automatically we know that something needs to fix this. A savior. You look at the movies, guys that do not know Jesus. What is it? They're always looking for a savior. Superman, it's a kind of a savior. Spider-Man, kind of a savior. Arnold Schwarzenegger, I'm coming back for you. How does it go? It's like a savior, kind of a savior. Hollywood is not interested in Christianity, but they see images of saviors. So what happens is when you and I experience sin against us, we're looking for a savior. That's why your spouse, that's why when, when something goes wrong and your spouse says something to you, you, you want to say something, but, oh, sorry, let's use a different example. That's why you want your spouse to make you happy. But your spouse, if it's a, let's talk to boys, men. Ladies, if you look at your boy, you know he makes a very bad Jesus, right? Amen. I know, poker faces, you're just like, my husband. Just like Jesus, he was, he's in Josh James, so he wore Jesus sandals. I, I, I wonder, what do you call those Jesus sandals? <laughs> but the reality of understanding the cross of Jesus Christ and how it applies on our life is at that moment in time when we experience being sinned against, we turn to Jesus, we, we say, Jesus, you are the only one that have been... You are the only one that's ever been, will ever be, that can actually carry the weight of that sin that I currently experience. And my husband can never give me what I want. Only Jesus can give you what you need. He creates this need in you. Because you're made in the image of God, He has created the need in you that only Him Himself can satisfy. And if anyone outside of Jesus you go going and you find something else out of Jesus to satisfy it, it will never satisfy you. 
Because one thing I understand about the gospel, it's called the expulsive power of the gospel. So you see, often see people that stop smoking, and what do they do? They stop smoking and they start drinking. So we take a replacement for Jesus, and we replace it with another replacement for Jesus. The Bible calls it an idol. So that's how we look and we unpack the practicality of how the gospel speaks into our everyday life. Right? So what I want to do, and then I'm done, I want to give you... Four points, four key statements that I believe can help you basically deal with most sin in your life. No, it's not a tips. It's not four tips. It's not little four shortcuts. So that's not coming. But three things that you sort of four handles that I think you can hold on to, that you can maybe remember, that can help you. And it's this whole principle of the expulsive power of the gospel. Because what I also know is that, is that when we, and I'm trying to, as I was, what I also know, and then I lost my train of thought. Um, no, I've forgotten what I wanted to say. The four Jesus, I call it, I don't know if, if some of you have heard it. Um, I, will get to my, I will get to what I remember when I, when I get to my four thoughts. When, when, we, when we sin, or let's put it this way, if you and I are able to completely comprehend what Jesus has done on your behalf, and you can take it in your hands like this, and you can hold it like this, and let's say you lock your arm like this, and you can walk around with completely understanding this, and you walk, and you never move your gaze of it, just like this, just like this, you cannot sin. You just cannot sin. It's the expulsive power of the gospel. The only way you can get rid of your sin, the only way you can overcome your sin, is actually focusing on understanding the reality of Christ and what He's done on the cross for you. But we are so focused on we want to fix our sin. We want to, yes, we have a responsibility. Don't hear that I'm now minimizing responsibility. This is what I wanted to say. When we struggle with self, low self-esteem, which by the way, I think is, is under a biblical principle, but let's say lack of confidence. What do, we, what do we do? We hear somebody's really struggling, like seriously, seriously think they are just, they just suck. They think they suck. So what, what, what a psychology, secular psychology tells us, hey, buddy, Wally, don't worry, you're fine, bro. Everything is fine. Don't worry. It's all good. And the focus, the focus is on him. And I believe the completely opposite is true. Because one thing I have learned, I am significantly, and hear me out because you're not going to judge me before I get to the end of my sentence. I am significantly more confident in my leadership than I was in the beginning of leading the church. Much more. I know you're hearing arrogance. No, do you know why? Because when I started leading a church, I thought I could do it. And yeah, I know Jesus, I know Jesus is going to help me, but I thought, you know, I'm a fairly okay leader. I can, I can do this. And so as I grew, and as I, in my, in my leadership, I, the list of, 
of who I am, in, the list of my weaknesses and my sinfulness and all that just became longer and longer and longer. So right in the beginning, I was aware of my sinfulness, of all my weaknesses, of all my shortcomings, and the list was this long, possibly. Now the list is this long. That's why I'm confident. And so it's the focus is a knowing and have learned my true condition, because you and I are blind to our own weaknesses. We're blind to our sinfulness. And so I have grown in my confidence every single day when I'm more and more aware how I come short compared to God's glory, the more confident I've become. So you cannot make me more, you cannot help me to be more confident. Money, you're great. Money, you're good. Because the reality is that's not completely true. It's not completely true. I have once, and please, I'm not that nasty. I've said to you, somebody has told me, sat in, in, in front of me, and he says, yes, Marnie, um, just, I love, I just, I'm a mess. Don't ask me, the, come ask me the context afterwards. And I said to him, buddy, no, 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 you've got it wrong. You even, the mess is even more than you think. <laughs> Your condition is way worse than you think. Condition is way worse than you think. No, that's way worse. Because, see, good news is not good news unless you know the bad news. See, when you truly believe, and here's my four G's finally. When you truly believe that God is great, the expulsive power of the gospel focuses on Jesus, focuses on God. When you truly believe that God is great, you won't see the need to be in control. Number two, and then I'll say a few things about them. If you truly believe, second G, if you truly believe that God is glorious, you would realize that you don't need to fear others. When you truly believe that God is good, you do not have to look elsewhere. You don't have to look at idols because He is good. Fourth one, if you truly believe that God is gracious, you do not have to prove yourself. So I can summarize those four things in this. You and I need to grow in our gospel fluency. We need to grow in our, and be saturated in our understanding of what the gospel means. And when we start realizing that, and we start realizing what does it mean that God is great? Because it's not as simple as that. It's like, God is great. What are the implications of this? And make it your lifelong journey to say, what does it mean that God is great? That God is sovereign, basically. And if we understand that, then anything in, in relationship to that or uh, in comparison to that will be tiny, tiny, tiny. And you know, practical example, we drive down the road and we started, we just want to micromanage, we want to be in control of our life and, and some, of, some of you might be here called control freaks. And we joke about it, oh, my wife's a control freak, oh, my husband's a control freak. Do you know how you fix that? Not to say, I'm going to stop being a control freak. That's not how we stop it. How we stop it, how we change it, is when, is when we actually look at the mountains and we say, oh, oh, you're great. Oh, you're great. Oh, you're magnificent. Oh, my word. You look at the mountains and in Afrikaans het ons termo ons sê, dit is awesome ruwewind. It's mooier is, is breathtaking. Much mooier. Much mooier. Baie mooier. 
It's awesome, this awesome rule, want ons kyk na die berge rond ons om. None of you here should have any control issues because you've got many mountains. And then if we struggle with lying, why do we lie? We lie because we fear people, because we want white lies. You know, there is no such thing, but we use the word. When we tell lies, we want to we wanna be seen in a positive light. We want others to like us. That's why we lie. And when we, in, in psychology, secular psychology, calls it codependency, it's, the Bible has got a name for it. It's called fear of people. Fear of man. But see, the secular world you and I live in is categorized sin. And then we say to ourselves, no, it's not, the Bible doesn't deal with this, because how does the Bible deal with codependence? Thus, just recategorize it to what it was originally called, fear of man. Now, the Bible doesn't deal with this fancy whatever. No, 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 let's get back with this problem. It's not a problem, it's called sin. And if we recategorize it, not recategorize it, just go back to what the Bible calls it, we'll see that the Bible actually has an answer to these things that we, Bible so-called, do not have answers to. So how do we unpack this God is glorious reality a little bit further. So what you do is you say to yourself, well, God is glorious, which means He's weighty, He's magnificent. It's, it's almost when, if you can see Him in all His glory, I can just imagine going down, it's like, I can't breathe, I can't breathe, because it's so beautiful, it's so weighty, it's so awesome. There's a, there's a, there's a holy respect and fear for this almighty King of the universe, and He's all His magnificence. And we know the Bible says that Jesus is the reflection of God the Father. So Jesus is, Jesus is glorious, correct? So while I, what we do is we put Jesus next to this person that we fear, and we say, let's say it's Wally. We fear Wally because he's very big and he's scary. We put, we put somebody next to Wally. I mean, it's, fortunately, I know Wally, so just know that. Huh? Um, put him next to Wally and say, what? Look at Jesus. Look at Wally. You get what I'm saying? Jesus? Wally? Expulsive power of the gospel. Expulsive power of the gospel. God is good. Do we understand how good God is? Do we understand that God is good, that when we're on our way, that when we're on our way to church and I get a flat wheel, not to say, I can't believe you do this to me, God, because these other guys, they're not going to church. I'm on my way to church. Now you make my flat wheel. Why are you doing this? Why, why do you cause my... Oh, now we're all awake, huh? Um, why are you causing my flat tire? Do you know what I think God's answer should be? Why not? Why not? Do you know, do you understand the lie you believe? Because these are truths that sort of is the opposite of the lies we believe. It's like God's job is to make you happy. God's main job is to sit in heaven, bored out of his skull. Sorry, I'm not trying to be irrelevant, uh, irreverent. And says his job is to just go, you like a genie and say, where's God? Have a deistic view of God. Like, yeah, God, just fix that. I can go back again. God is good. Do we realize how, God, how good God is? God is gracious. 
God is gracious. In other words, He empowers you. He strengthens you. He, strengthens you. he gives you the ability to do that which He called you to. So what I love about the Scriptures, and it's my last thought, and then I want to sort of bring it all together. What I love about Scripture, wherever in Scripture, turn from Genesis to Revelations. When I see, God says, do this. You can look. It's either just before that or in the verse or very close to it. It's got something to the effect of, I've done this. I have accomplished this. Therefore, can you go and do this? Everywhere. Anything God calls you to do. If He calls you to obey, He calls you to go, He calls you to submit. Whatever He calls you to, He's gracious and He supplies the means for you to accomplish that. No exception ever. But we miss that. We miss that. And I believe to, to, tonight God wants to say He is sufficient. And by implication, I don't have a physical Bible. By implication, this book is more sufficient than you will ever realize. Answers that you thought is never, ever in here is in here. Is in here. And as I started that journey from just believing Jesus saved me and that's it, to a journey of actually becoming more gospel-centered, Jesus-centered, it's changed my whole, whole outlook on life. I mean, I can go on and on and on and on with practical examples. My life, my, my, there's, my, there's my daughter, you can ask her, you can ask my family, everything changed for me when I started realizing the work of Christ and as I started on this journey of understanding how much more Christ has done for me than what I always used to believe. He just saves me and then leaves me alone to live my life. Because He does not leave you alone. It's Christ in us. It's His Holy Spirit in us. And I know you know that, but I go from here to here. Holy Spirit in us, through us. Not alongside, not in the front, not in the back, but in us and through us. And so I want to let you, let, maybe we, we must do it this way. I've got this, I, when I want to remind myself, allow the gospel, to, gospel truth to speak into a lie. Say, so God is great. I can't put two hands up. So God's great. Let's go put your hands up like this. Try it. God's great. Okay? God's great. God is glorious. Why? Wait. Wait. God's glorious. God's good. And God is gracious. God's great. God's glorious. God's good. God's gracious. And, and, and I always have to read it because I do remember the four, but I want to say it in the same order all the time. Um, that's why I had to go and read it. But basically, if you ask me how I live my life, I live my life by those four truths. And basically, it's another way of saying I live, my, I live my life knowing that Christ has truly done it all. And as I study the Bible, I don't study it for knowledge only. I study it and I say, Jesus, that's not, that, no, 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 that's, that's not enough because I don't believe it's knowledge that changes the river. We need a revelation. We need the Holy, Holy Spirit to, 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 
to change our hearts. It's, it's more than just, okay, I understand it. I understood many Bible stories. And suddenly, and suddenly I realized that the story about David, and I'm not going to go there. I'm just going to give you an example. Go and research it. The story about David is not about, I'm David, and I've conquered Goliath. No. There's much more to that story. Go and look it up. It's much more to the story of, I'm, I'm David, and I, why don't you go and conquer your Goliath? There's much more to that. No, you're actually, you're actually not David. And, and there's so many Bible stories, because we love the Bible story, and it's actually pointing towards Jesus, and we want to make all the Bible stories about us. I'm Joseph. And I'm seeing there is an application in that. But there's so much more to it. Much more. I mean, you scratch and it's like, what? Nothing. What? And as you start doing this and you're digging into this wealth of, of the beauty and, and, and the magnificence of the gospel, it's like, what? What? That thing I've, I've learned from secular psychology, it's, Bible's got the answer. That other thing I've learned about se- from secular psychology, ooh, Bible has got the answer to that. That other thing I learned from secular psychology, ooh, the Bible's got an answer for that. I want to pray fast. Is that, is that okay? Is that okay? Yeah. And, and I want to ask you tonight this question. Won't you respond to the gospel? I don't want us to make notes. It's like, yes, the six points that Marnie made. I'm going to go into the week, and I'm going to, search, I'm going to, I'm going to apply it. I want, I, want, I want to, as we go along, as we like a Zacchaeus, that we, it's almost like open heart surgery, just God does it, that God will do it here. I know something about Josh Jen. They are an obedient people. I know that. There are people that don't just live for the knowledge, but they actually want to put in practice that which they see in Scripture. Correct you, most of you are in Josh Jen. And so, so if God's spoken to you not tonight, and I, this is not an a ego, a ego trip, I'm not asking, I'm, I'm going to ask you to stand in a moment. And I'm not asking you because I want to know how good I preached. I, I, I want you to stand because I think when, when our body, when our body, is, when we do something with our body, I think something happens. I think our West, most of us are Western in our thinking. We think that everything about Christ is in here. It's all, you know, belief is a, it's a, it's a mental thing. In the Hebraic thinking, belief meant, yeah, seen in action. If there's no action, there was no belief. Who wants to respond to the gospel? And this is, what I'm, this is the question. Who wants to respond this, this evening for the first time to the gospel? And saying, you know what? When I came into this room, I, I don't know Jesus. I realized that I had, I have a cultural understanding of Jesus because I grew up so-called Christian, because it's not really possible. I grew up believing in this stuff. But you know what? From that, but my life has never changed. My desires are still like my old desires. So actually, you will know them by the fruit. And if I look at my fruit, there's no signs that I'm actually a follower of Jesus. And you want to respond the first time. And I would love you to stand as well. And then I'm going to ask a second. I'm going to ask, for, because all of us need to continually respond to the gospel. It's not a respond, say a little prayer. Uh, no. 
on continually responding and say, oh, Jesus, Jesus, you, Jesus, you only, there's only a, compa- a small little bit of you that is, that's Lord. Jesus, I don't really believe you're good. God, I don't believe you're really good. Because I, I, I constantly look for, for God replacements, idols. Father, I don't think, I, I don't know if I, I, I think you're gracious. Because I'm just, you know, I'm in this performance mode. I suffer from comparisitis. Lord, I don't really believe that you're glorious because I, I, I don't want to come on a Sunday and, and give my testimony before the people because I'm so worried about what they think of me. Lord, I don't really think you're great. And therefore, I, I just want to be controlled. I just, I just love to have, you know, just my hand on everything. just want to be in control. just want to make sure that I can be a self-sovereign. And if God's speaking to you in any way, I want you, to, I want you all to stand. If any of those are applicable, I want you to stand. And the way the Bible says to me how we deal with this, we, we, we repent. And that is for the guy that, repent, that, that, that responds to the gospel the first time. And it's also for the guy that, that responds again to the gospel. Because the life of a Christian, a follower of Jesus, the ongoing repentance. It's a life of repentance. We're all unbelievers. Because there's something that we don't believe about the gospel. And so the difference between, between those that follow Jesus and those that follow Jesus and those that don't follow Jesus don't live a life of repentance, but those that do follow Jesus live an ongoing life of repentance. So this evening, I want, I'm not going to lead you in a little default prayer. I want to ask you, I'm going to give you a few seconds, a minute to say, just to come before God, confess that which you need to confess. Bring it to the light. I'm not saying shout it out, but if that's what you want to do, you can. Confess it. But I want to ask you one thing. I should have said this in the beginning. If you stand because your buddy is standing, you're going to lie right now. That's basically what I would see that. So be careful, otherwise you might need to sit again. Because then you suffer from, you're standing because you suffer from the fear of people. So to come in before God and say, Lord, I confess so and so and so. And I repent. In other words, Lord, I, I, I did it my way. I want to do it your way. I want to align myself to the gospel. And then thirdly, I don't put my faith in myself living this out. I put my faith in you. I call on the gospel, expulsive power of the gospel for you to, to give me the strength and the power to empower me to do this. So I put my faith in you, Jesus, and I ask that you will help me because you already paid that. You already completed. You, you've done that. You've already, taken, you've already paid for the shame. You're already shamed on the cross. You did all this. I put it all on the shoulders of my Savior. So why don't you do that for a few seconds, maybe 30 seconds to a minute. Thank you.
met ons is, um, kom ons blij in die atmosfeer, kom ons blij nog connect met Jesus, kom ons raak jy nou bezig met wat gaan nou gebeur en, en wat is die volgende ding en wanneer maak ons klaar en alle dinge, wat ons net stil blij in ons harte voor die Heere, dat ons 